Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Hosea, the first chapter. Hosea chapter 1. Let's read the whole chapter again, if you please. It says, The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Berah, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblem, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for I will yet a little while, and I will for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, Call her name Lorahama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away, and I, but I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. Remember, the kingdom was divided, and there was the house of Israel, uh, ten tribes, and the house of Judah. And that was in the days of Solomon, after Solomon. Uh, and we had a message on it this morning under Rehoboam and Jeroboam. It says the house of Judah and will save them by the uh, by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow nor by sword nor by battle nor by horses nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo Rahama, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Loama, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea which can not be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, You are the sons of the living God. <clears throat> then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel, that's both of the kingdoms, Israel and Judah, shall be, uh, be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Now then, we gave you in our last lesson how that Hosea was to marry a woman named Gomer, and God permitted him to do so. And uh, Gomer bore him three children, and these names of these three children are very prophetic. We gave you the meaning of the names in our last lesson, I believe. Uh, Jezreel means scattered, and Lorahama means unpitied, and Loama means not my people. And there are various stages of the history of the children of Israel that show that this was true historically and it's true now in the present and all the things that are predicted will be true in the future concerning the prediction of Israel's restoration to to the Lord. And all of this pictured Israel being married to the Lord as a nation. The nation was married to the Lord and should have remained faithful to Him. But Israel lusted after sin, especially after the false gods of other nations and the idols. Uh, of their enemies, and they worship the idols of their enemies. And uh, we find in the next chapter where she suffered very much pain and sorrow for uh, leaving the Lord, just as uh, Gomer left her husband and uh, committed adultery, so did the nation of Israel leave God and get into such a situation that she had to suffer for her sins as well. Now, when you first read this chapter that we've read, some have said that uh, 
when God said, go and take thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, that he says, for the land hath, that's verse 2, the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord, that God knew what this woman would be instead of what she had already been. So there's two lines of thought. One, that uh, she was pure when Hosea married her and would prove to be unfaithful later and leave him for the in cases of adultery and then finally would be brought back to Hosea. He would be by her back in the third chapter to himself and would forgive her of all the wrong that she had done. And that is more in line really with what happened to the nation of Israel because they were not always adulterous. At first, they, they were God's own chosen people, but they, they did leave God. And, and so the very fact that it says, For the land, verse 2, hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord, indicates that that may be the case. That uh, when uh, Hosea took her, that she was all right. And then God was as much as predicting that just as the nation had departed from, from him that was joined to the Lord, this nation of Israel, so that she would depart from, from Hosea and become unfaithful. And that may be the way it's spoken of here, that God is foreseeing what would happen there. It seems that that could be the case because God would not uh, go against the morality that is laid down in His Word and tell Him to go marry uh, such a kind of a, of a woman in her uncleanness unless He's showing that by the picture of God's grace that He would accept anyone into His family if they would just repent and, and come to Him in faith. So uh, you have a lot of problems in dealing with this, and yet the, the fact is that uh, we're dealing with a situation to where Hosea uh, has these three children by this woman, Gomer, and uh, then they're to plead with their mother. In chapter 2, verse uh, 2, it says, Plead with your mother, Plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight. In other words, the children were to plead with their mother, seemingly here, to return because of the separation between them. But there's a lot of things that we need to study here. Let's just uh, look down at uh, verse... uh, We had an introduction last week, but let's look down at verse uh, 9. Then said God, Call his name Loamma, for you are not my people... And I will not be your God. So there came a time that that the Lord rejected Israel as a nation and as people. And before that, though, he had spoken of in verse 6, Call her name Lo-Rahama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel. This is the uh, daughter that was born after the son was born in verse 4. And it says, But I will utterly take away, take them away, But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, nor by horses, nor by horsemen. And we find an incident in the Old Testament where God actually did save them in such a way. Uh, Think about the fact that He did deliver them at one time uh, by an angel. And it was not by bow, not by sword, nor by battle, nor by horses. And he had warned them not to trust in the horses because in the horsemen to, for their deliverance and for their strength and their power. 
In 2 Kings 19, verse 35, when the Assyrians had taken the nation and uh, there was the battle going on, the Lord said in verse 34, 2 Kings 19, verse 34, He says, uh, For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians and a hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. That's a hundred and eighty-five thousand men that God uh, did deliver them. And He did that by the angel of the Lord. One angel smote that many people. A hundred and eighty-five thousand. No wonder when Jesus said that He would call he could call 12 legions of angels to His rescue, you remember? In the Gospel of Matthew. And one angel could handle 185,000. It doesn't mean that's His limit here either. But 185,000, do you know that 12 legions of angels would be enough to, to conquer the whole world at any given time? 12 legions of angels? So it shows the miraculous power of God in delivering. And He delivered how? Not by horses, not by sword, but the angel came and smote them. In fact, if you turn to the book of uh, if you turn to the book of Isaiah chapter thirty one, verse one says, "Woe to them!" And this was what Israel was prone to is to trust in their horses and chariots. But he says, "Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are strong, but they." They look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. So he warns them there, there not to go down and trust in Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world, and the horses and chariots are a pictures of their own might that they might trust in rather than trusting in God. So back in Hosea chapter 1, where it says in verse 7, that he would have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God and will not, notice that word not, will not save them by bow, <clears throat> nor by sword, nor by battle, nor by horses, nor by horsemen. So the Lord delivered them and saved a remnant of Israel at that time. And then also later, Judah was saved and a remnant brought back from Babylon, if you remember their deliverance from the Babylonian captivity. So God all throughout shows His power of deliverance for them. And He shows that He will intervene for his people and that's why he said that uh, would he that he would have mercy upon the house of Judah in fact Hosea means salvation we gave you that in our introduction and it's a picture of God's salvation not only in the past for Israel but in the future for Israel and we'll get into the future aspect of it before this chapter is over Hosea's prophecy is directed almost exclusively to the house of Israel how he would deliver them and his whole prophetic ministry covered over 70 years. So he must have reached a very old age in his ministry as a, as a, uh, a prophet of God. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> in verse uh, 10 it says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. So even though he said, I will, They will not be my people, and he had disowned them, so to speak, in verse 9, Lo, Amma, for ye are not my people. And I will not be your God. In verse 10 he says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. 
And it shall come to pass that in the place that it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. So it's, there's hope for this backslidden nation and people that had refused to live for God and turned their backs upon the Lord. In fact, committed spiritual adultery, just like the adultery was committed against Hosea by his wife. And that's a picture of what uh, Israel was doing to, to the Lord Himself. They were committing adultery. And so, yet God says they're going to be restored. He promised them, gives them a, a door of hope here. <clears throat> because in verse 10 He says that... Uh, the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered, and shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You're not my people, there it shall be said unto them, You're the sons of the living God. So this is indicative of the future restoration. Israel shall be reinstated. And you know this, this scripture is applied to more than Israel in the New Testament. And it's not only that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that Israel shall be insta- reinstated, but that the... Uh, also, the call and salvation of the Gentiles is included here. And I want to give you uh, something in verse 10 that shows you that. Look in the book of uh, Romans chapter 9, <clears throat> verses 23 through 26. Romans 9, if you will. The book of Romans chapter 9, verse 23. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Remember, he said he would have mercy on those that had no mercy. And he would restore those, and he was going to make riches the the riches of the of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he hath afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only he would show the Jews mercy, but also the Gentiles. Now notice how it's connected with his very prophet that we're talking about, Hosea, as he saith also in O.C. By the way, that O.C. is the Greek. Uh, rendering of Hosea in the New Testament. So it says, As he saith also in O.C., I will call them my people, which were not my people, the very same quotation, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. So he applies it not only to the restoration of the nation of Israel, his own people, that they would be reinstated, but he implies it to the fact that the Gentiles would be included in the ones upon whom he would have mercy. And Peter uses this same thing. Look in 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> and he's speaking of believers in chapter 2. But look at verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. We'll just skip that because I just wanted to point out that he is a be- that he's speaking, Peter's speaking to believers. Uh, Jews and Gentiles. Now, verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness <clears throat> into His marvelous light. Now, who were called out of darkness? The Gentiles. That would be you and I and the people of the New Testament that uh, Paul preached to, Peter preached to. Into His marvelous light. Now, verse 10, he goes back to Hosea. Look at this. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So, when both Paul, in the book of Romans, 
and Peter in the book of First Peter refer to Hosea, they are saying that God's plan when He says, You're not My people back there in Hosea 1 verse 10, There shall it be said unto them, You are the sons of the living God. His plan was to restore not only the nation of Israel, but also to call and bring salvation to the Gentiles. And those two passages, Romans 9 and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, I believe it was, prove that it applies to a future blessing and a future restoration, not only of Israel, but of the Gentiles being included in God's plan of salvation for them. Now, in verse 11, you have Hosea 1, verse 11. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head. <clears throat> and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So this eleventh verse is yet unfulfilled when Judah and Israel will be united under one head, that is, under Christ, and it speaks of a future restoration. We know that the time will come when that will be true as far as the prophecy of Hosea is concerned. Now glance at chapter 2. Say ye unto your brethren, Amma, now, if you notice back in verse 9, it said Loamma. Loamma means not my people. And Amma means my people. Say unto, your, say unto your people, unto God's people, and to your sisters, Rohamma. Notice it does not say Lorahamma. You need to compare this verse with verse 9 of the first chapter. Look. Then said God, call his name Loamma, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. But here he says... Say to your brethren, Amma, that means my people, and to your sisters, Rohamma. Now, when you look at Rohamma, you look back to verse 6 of the first chapter. Call her name Lorahamma, for I will no more, more have mercy upon the house of Israel. So he's saying, Say to my people here, and to the one, to your sisters, upon whom I have mercy. You see, the low means not. But now he's saying, to the brethren, Amma, my people, and to your sisters, Rohamma. And what is he saying? Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. She had broken her vows. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her side and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and she set her as the day she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst, and I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. That's those that were illegitimate. Now then, look. Verse 5 says, For their mother hath played the harlot. She hath conceived them. She that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that I give, that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. All right, let's look at this in two ways. First of all, in the literal sense that this wife had departed from Hosea and gone after other lovers. Let's look at it in this way, that Israel had departed from God and gone after false gods and had attributed all of her pleasures and all of her uh, uh, good things to these false gods. And didn't realize that it was only the Lord that gave her the blessings. And the next verses will bear this thought out. But she was attributing all of the things that she enjoyed to her adulterous situation. 
She says, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold. Now, this is what God would do to the nation. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths and she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them and she shall seek them, but she shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. They used all the blessings. Israel used all the blessings that God had bestowed upon her to worship the false gods. And that they had prepared, which they prepared for Baal. And God provided for the nation. And they turned away from God and worshiped, the, worshiped Baal or, or idolatry. Now, let's look at these verses 6 and 7 again. What will God do to those that depart from Him as He did to Israel? (coughs) Excuse me. I believe this is the practical lesson of this particular part of the chapter. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns. Affliction. Let's use the word affliction. It's pretty hard to work your way through thorns. And make a wall. That's difficulty. That she shall not find her paths. Perplexity. And she shall follow after her lovers. But she shall not overtake them. That's failure. And she shall seek them. But she shall not find them. Disappointment. Think of the five things here I've given you. Affliction. Difficulty. Perplexity. Failure. And disappointment. Let's stop there for a moment. You know, it's pretty hard to find your way through a thorn patch, isn't it? I remember when out on the farm we used to pick up pecans and on that old native uh, land out there in Oklahoma and there would be thorn bushes and briars and everything. You'd thrash these pecans down off the tree and lo and behold, you'd have to work your way through there and you'd get stuck. And there's a lot of pecans in under there, but you had to fight your way through all the thorns. And we know that thorns are not easy to get through. And then it says, I will hedge up thy way with thorns. So God has a way of making it very difficult. He made it difficult for the nation at times. And so does He. The practical lesson that when we depart, as Israel did, (coughs) from the Lord, He's able to chasten us and make our way uh, of affliction. And then difficulty. Make a wall. God is able to put a wall there that you can't go through. A wall. I'll make a wall. That she shall not find her paths. Perplexity. When we can't find the way that we want to go. Someone says, I'm very perplexed. I I cannot do what I want to do. And then, she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. Many people have gone out into the world seeking pleasures and satisfaction to parting from God, as Israel did of old, thinking that that's where they got their joys and pleasures was in the world and away from God. And they didn't realize that their only blessings came from God. And people today, you know, it's kind of like the psalmist in Psalm 73. He said, you know, he speaks of the fact that he had given himself to God. But he said, I'm afflicted all the day. And he seemed to think it was better off, he was better off in the 73rd Psalm before he was converted. 
A lot of people get the idea that they were, they were better off before they were saved. And they go back to the world and they just live, try to seek their pleasures outside of God. And therefore, they find that they're disappointed. And they will be. The Bible tells us that the pleasures of the Lord makes rich. And that He has the pleasures for us that we need as Christians. And any time you think that you're better off in the world, you just look around about you and see. I think you'll open your eyes to the fact that you are not. She shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. There's failure. And when people get in that attitude of, of leaving God and trying to follow after uh, pleasures of the world, they'll find that there's failure to find that satisfaction and peace and joy. You know, I've heard of people going to great social gatherings and maybe there'd be drinking and carrying on and feasting and all kinds of things taking place. And the individual is a Christian. If you don't feel you belong in that company of people, you're a very lonely soul. If you know you don't belong there, you say, well, you know, this doesn't bring me any joy or any pleasure or any happiness. And you'll find people just putting on a front and acting like they're having the best time in the world when really deep down in their hearts they're seeking satisfaction from the world that they'll never receive in completion. The real satisfaction and pleasure comes from God. And we should never regret the fact that we've turned to the Lord for all of our blessings. And these people had gone away from God. Israel had. And the same principle is true for you and I. It said, look at the next thing. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Very disappointed. Disappointment will set in. And what will happen? Then shall she say. I mean, you go through affliction, difficulty, perplexity, failure, disappointment. And then it might wake you up a little bit. It says, then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then it was better with me than now. (laughs) We come to the place that they realize that it was not so good after all. And that's what uh, is pictured here in this situation. For she did not know. How many people do not know that God says, I gave her corn and wine and oil. I gave her her blessings and multiplied her silver and her gold, which they prepared for Baal. I wonder how many people realize where their blessings really come from. And here it shows that their blessings come from God. And here, in this case, Israel was using these things that God had given her to worship their idols. We sing a song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. And we ought to count them and realize that it's God. James says, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, showered down upon us from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so God gives us the blessings. And so in verse... uh, Nine, it says, Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and will recover my wool and my flax, given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. God says, if that's what she wants, if that's what the nation wants, that's what I'll permit her to have. Now, I'm going to take away all these blessings. What? Look, notice there. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, my wine in the season thereof, and recover my wool and my flax to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of my hand. I will also cause 
all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she has said, these are my rewards that my lovers have given me. She thought that she'd gotten these by leaving God into idolatry that my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. You see, God is in control of all of it. The idolatry of the people is what is in view here. And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forget me, saith the Lord. They left God. Israel left God out of, out of all of her doings. They forgot God. They thought that they were better off. Therefore, look at the word therefore. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. Even though she had gone into idolatry, there's a ray of hope for the people. I will speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. She will be like when she is first delivered from Egyptian bondage. That was in the days of the youth of the nation. Remember when God first delivered Israel out and Miriam struck up a song and they sang and then sang Moses and all the children of Israel because of their deliverance? You find that in the book of Exodus of their deliverance. Chapter 15. Verses 1 through 20 shows us the rejoicing over their deliverance. And this is called the days of Israel's youth. As in the day, notice this carefully, as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Isha. That means my husband. She'll be restored and shall call, and shall call me no more Bala. That is my Lord. She would come back to her relationship with God. Isha means husband. For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. They'll be called by God's name. And in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them to lie down safely. So God speaks of a door of hope and a future restoration of the nation of Israel. Romans 11 verse 15. Let me give you this. Romans 11 and verse 15 says this. It says, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, that's when the Gentiles are included because of Israel being cast away, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? So they will be restored to life as a nation and as a people. And back now in Hosea chapter 2, and it says, the last part of verse 18, and will make them to lie down safely. Verse 19, And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee to me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness. They didn't have any faithfulness, did they? But he said, I'm going to betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. There will be a time that they will really be converted and turn to God. 
And it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth. And the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say unto them that were not my people, Thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. And that will be the future restoration of the nation of Israel. And remember, the verses we also included in chapter 1 shows that connected with Israel's restoration and blessings are also the blessings upon the Gentiles that you and I have already received being accepted in, uh, by grace through faith uh, through the Gospel in the New Testament. So we'll conclude there with verse uh, 23 and we'll take up the third chapter. This is very interesting in this short third chapter how that uh, Hosea had to go and buy this unfaithful wife back to himself out of the market. seemed like she was sold into slavery and he had to go and buy her back unto himself. And the, the price he paid for it is very significant. We've used this before in showing you the price of, of Jesus. Uh, that we uh, also have a reference in the book of Zechariah that shows his price was 30 pieces of silver. Let's see. In, in Matthew, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, we'll find the 30 pieces of silver. And we'll also find that how that relates to this book of Hosea and the price that is paid for this outcast woman and also how it relates to the price of a, of a slave back in the book of Exodus and the price of a rejected shepherd that you find in the book of Zechariah. And we'll give you those in our next lesson, the Lord willing. Well, we're progressing a little bit, and we thank you for your patience, your kind attention. We'll pick up with the third chapter.